This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Christian Book Blurb. This month I am joined by the wonderful Phil Knox, um, who has written a book called Story Bearer, How to Share Your Faith with Your Friends. And today we're going to be chatting about Phil's life, his hobbies, things he likes to do, as well as his writing process and his books. Hello, Phil. Welcome. Hi, Matt. So great to be with you this afternoon. It's really good that you, that you can join us um, on the show today. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, your book, Story Bearer, uh, I must admit, I was, I was captivated from like the first chapter. It's so good. It's so engaging. Um, I, I really like um, the heart behind it. And I also like the fact that when you're encouraging people to share their story of Jesus, that you pack the book full of stories. It's fantastic. Yeah, the medium is the message. Hopefully that comes across and inspires people as, uh, as well as encourages them to tell their story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where did that book come from? How did it come to be? Great question. I, I've always been an evangelist. In, in the book, I tell my own story. I became a Christian when I was six years old even more excitable then than I am now. And uh, and just from that moment, all I've ever wanted to do is tell other people about it. Um, but I'm also a bit of a kind of, I like strategy. And and so wanted to know how do people come to faith? And so uh, over, yeah, almost 20 years as an evangelist, um, just saw most people coming to faith just through friendships. And, I, you know, I, I love standing on stages and preaching and, and encouraging people to follow Jesus. And, and I think that is effective. But in reality, the people are only in the room because a friend's brought them. And, and most people, both from anecdote and evidence, say that they come to faith because of the influence of a Christian friend. And so the book was written because I felt we could all be more effective at sharing our faith with our friends. And that, that, was, the, that was the reason, really. I, I thought, I thought if, every, if every Christian in the world could be better at sharing their story, loads more people have come to faith. So that's, that's really the simple story behind it. Yeah, it's, it's also kind of changing mindsets, isn't it? Because quite often... People think, oh, so-and-so is the evangelist right. in the church or, or whatever it may be. Or, you know, the evangelist comes to town once a year yeah. or, or whatever it is. And it's really just trying to change change minds, isn't it? To, to, to think, well, actually, we are all story bearers. We all bear the name of Jesus. We all carry yeah. the Holy Spirit within us if, if we believe and have given our lives to Jesus. Um that it's actually evangelism, this 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 scary word sometimes, um, is actually a it's a group effort. And yeah. it's also it's also a personal one, as in, you know, it's it's down to everybody to to carry that story and, and that image of Jesus out into the world around them. That that's really good. How did you in writing the book, how how do you piece things together? Do you just sort of sit down in a dark room and then just start typing it out? Or, or do you like plan for ages and have sort of notes stuck all over the walls, like in some sort of crime thriller novel with bits of string joining up all the dots? Or how do you go about writing a book? Yeah, the crime, the crime thriller, th thriller thing. 
Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I live on post-it notes, and so so big pieces of A3 paper with with post-it notes with stuff working out. So so yeah, I'm I'm fairly methodical in the way I plan, but I'm I'm also a creative ideas guy, and so so we'll often walk and think and and write, and and I uh, I. I, I do quite a bit of just time in the morning with the Lord and, and have a book next to me always and ideas will come up. But but I also read extensively as well. And there's always, I'm a kind of bit of a magpie of, uh, when I when I read, I kind of love, just love to nicker the people's ideas and quotes and pull them all together. And, and that just really helps kind of bring that together. And so, uh, you know, story, the Story Bearer book especially was formed on this idea that in, in evangelism, four stories come together. Um, and that's just been my experience, really, and so a lot of personal experience there. But but yeah, love the love the planning there. The, I like the crime thriller analogy, Matt. That's lovely. <laughs> what is your take on um, friendship evangelism? Because we've kind of you've kind of mentioned it, but I think um, from having looked read the book, um, your definition of it might be a bit different to what other people might define friendship evangelism as. What, what what's your take on it? I think I think as you've kind of said, really, we all get a part to play, and and we should be the best friends in the world. Now now, first, hear me loud and clear. I don't think we should become friends with people to convert them. I mm. think we should be friends with people because we're made in the image of a relational God, and so therefore we should be friends with people. I've got friends who who aren't Christians who, if they were never ever going to become a Christian, I wouldn't stop being their friend. But yeah. at the same time. The, the greatest joy, I believe, as a, as a Christian, one of the greatest joys is being able to share the good news that we have on our own story with people, and encourage mm. them along the way. And so I acknowledge in the last chapter of the book, it's really hard, actually, sharing our faith with our friends in, in lots of ways because it's so full of disappointment. Mm. Because, in, you know, most of my friends who aren't, who aren't Christians haven't become Christians yet. But, you know, for the few that have, it is just so unbelievably rewarding and joyful and and my best friend who I speak about in the book uh, became a Christian 20 years ago. That was just one of that was genuinely one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, having grown up with him, having seen him come from absolutely nowhere with God to now follow Jesus and yeah. and seeing every day over those couple of decades Jesus having changed his life. It's just the best. It's genuinely the best one of the best things in the world. And so so I think my my take on French evangelism is that we all should be praying for, for people to come to faith because yeah. knowing Jesus really matters. It really is a matter of life and death. We should be brilliant friends because God's created us in his image and he's the relational God. And and we should do our very best to be able to share that story. And the, the whole book is hung on that verse in 1 Peter that says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone asks mm. you to give a reason for the hope that you have. My take is that all of us could be better at that. So let's really strive to be the best we can be in making that happen. Something that I picked up from the book um, along the friendship evangelism thing is that... Um, yeah, be, be friends with your friends and don't be afraid to let people know that you're a Christian. Um, but also, there, there has to come, well, the, a, a point sort of comes when, when they ask, you know, about your faith or whatever. It's not just a case of, oh, well, I'm a friendly person, therefore I can tick the evangelism box because all I do is make cups of tea for people and smile nicely and therefore I'm evangelizing. Well, <laughs> yes, but... There has to there has to be sort of the gospel has to be woven in there somehow, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think we're talking about long term friendships here. So yeah. it's not it's not you know if, if I'm 
I'm a hope, I'm a presumption, I think my, my experience of every friendship is, eventually, if you're friends with people for, you know, more than a few months, they'll want to know about the, who you are. You know, I think if yeah. you ask enough questions, if you're a good listener, and if, if conversation is, is based on genuine vulnerability and not just what the football score is at the weekend, yeah. then eventually you get to a point where people want to know who you are, what really drives you. And and ultimately, one of the main points of the book is that if we're close to Jesus, that just overspills. Mm. And and the people, the things that we're passionate about, if you want to know what someone's passionate about, spend any any amount of time with them and see what they talk about. And you know, and if you if you spend any amount of time with me, you'll know that I'm passionate about Jesus, I'm passionate about football, I'm passionate about my, my family, <laughs> and I'm passionate about friendship. That yeah, you know, yeah. that that just comes out of who I am. And yeah. I think my 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 experience in any kind of long term friendship that lasts more than a few weeks is people actually want to know. Who are you? And, yeah. and we get a moment to be vulnerable. And, and I think that we're living in a crisis in, in our world at the moment around quite kind of shallow friendships. One of the invitations of the book is to go deep in our friendships. And when we do, we then get the opportunity to share the most important things about us. Mm, that's really good. Thank you. Um, what would you say to people who are, who are in church and they're listening to this and they're thinking, oh, well, that, that's all great. But my only friends are Christians. My only friends are the people who already come to church. So where does that leave me? Yeah, and that and that's a, a significant challenge, I guess. Um, and to some extent, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to beat people over the head and say you need you need non-Christian friends. I think the reality is we all have the opportunity to to and space probably to make people who aren't make make friends with people who aren't Christians. And so whether that's our neighbours or whether we are, have colleagues at work or whether that's where joining a club I don't again I don't think you should deliberately join a club to make Christ, friends with non-Christians to, to, to convert them <laughs> but I'm, I think you should be the person that God's called you mm. to be and, and, and be friendly and and get to know people and I recognize we're, you know evangelism is not a personality type mm. so so in, introverts still have friends they often have better friendships actually with close friends than extroverts but we, we all have opportunities in our life to, to make friends. Um, and, and for some of us, that's a big network. Some of us, that's a small network. Um, if you've got no non-Christian friends, that, that's okay. God doesn't love you any less. But, yeah. but, don't, be, but don't close the door to, to being yeah. open to making friends with non-Christians. And when you do, yeah. you might get an opportunity to be part of their journey of faith. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Earlier on, you mentioned football. Um, one of the passions in your life. So dare I ask... And what football team do you support? I'm a long-suffering Aston Villa fan, Matt. Oh. Yeah. How, about, how about you? I must admit, I don't watch football. There you go. There you go. Well, you, it's, um, yeah, you, you, you spared the heartache of, uh, of, of loving, uh, loving... The uh, highs and lows uh, of the football seat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are they doing at the moment? Or is that a touchy yeah, all question? Right, all right, we've got a new manager and he's signing some interesting players, so we'll, we'll see. That's good. That's we, good. We may stay in the Premier League this year. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from football, what else? What else do you get up to when you're not when you're not sort of um, writing copious amount of post-it notes and sticking them all over the walls to write your books from? <laughs> what What else do you get uh, up to? So, uh, yeah, loads of stuff. I'm, I'm part of the leadership team of a local church, um, so that that takes a fair bit of time, but mm -hmm. but very rarely there on a Sunday because my my work for the Evangelical Alliance means I'm preaching somewhere else mostly. So then I have okay. to work out kind of local community mm -hmm. and kind of in small groups with friends. 
Um, I, I'm an avid runner, so I set my bucket list moment last year was to run a thousand miles in a year. So wow. I, I completed that and was very, very pleased with myself. And I've have, I've not really you, run much since actually that, in the last couple of weeks uh, in celebration. <laughs> <laughs> have you done any sort of marathons or anything, London marathon or anything like that? No, I've suddenly I've suddenly got a heart condition, which means I'm only allowed okay. as far as a as a half marathon. But I've done a few half right. marathons, okay. and actually another bucket list thing for me actually is to run a mar- half marathon in every county in England. Wow! Um, I, I read a book about a guy who ran a marathon in every country on the, on planet Earth, which I thought was way beyond my budget and capability. Uh, but I thought I could do a half in every uh, county, so that's my that's my long term ambition. But yeah, apart from that, I'm, I'm married to Danny, and we've got two boys, Caleb and Josh, so they keep me very very busy. Um, I'm an aspiring water skier, so I water ski occasionally, oh, okay. but spend, spend a lot of in time the in summer. the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and love, love Scotland. So we, we go to Scotland regularly and just so love kind of walking what, and being what, outside. What do you and, love about it? Scotland. Uh, it's not, it's not the city. Aha. <laughs> so I live All in the Birmingham, wilderness, wild people. places. I live in Birmingham. I work in London. Yeah. There's kind of like, there's just a busyness and, a, and yeah. a relentlessness about the city. And so I love being in, in the open space amongst beautiful mountains by the sea, eating, food that's been either hooked out the sea recently or killed in a field yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just and just the stillness and, the, and the, mm. the pace of life slowing down yeah love it so have you found a particularly um favorite place in scotland yeah we love the west coast so um up kind of near Loch Fine, um that kind of area and the islands as well so i love getting away to places like isla and jura uh, so yeah mm. very a kind of little pilgrimage there now and again is very good for the soul Mm, wonderful wonderful um circling back to writing um have you got anything else in the pipeline because i believe story bearers your the first book you've written is that right yeah so is there going to be anything more from Phil Knox in the in the near future, or or is story bearer? You know, you, you've you've put one your pen hit down. <laughs> yeah, your your post-it notes have been you know put in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, I'm currently working on an, on a on a second book, um, Matt, which is uh, which is the working title is the best of friends, um, and so we're we're looking at um, yeah publication beginning of 2023, um, yeah. and uh, we are really excited by it. It's about friendship. Um, and it's a kind of an, a, an taking the friendship aspect of Story Bear a little deeper, but partly influenced by the, I guess, the kind of social anthropology of friendship. So the way that we're, okay. we're, we're, cre- we're created for friendship and then kind of mapping that onto a few kind of biblical stories of friendship, kind of mainly around Jesus and the way he kind of structured his relationships. And I've been fascinated by that. So that, that's kind of, of one bit. But then also just the timely nature of it, having just come through a pandemic where we've been socially distanced. Mm. And for some, that has meant social isolation. Mm. Um, and yet at the yeah. same time, many friendships have really thrived. So the landscape of friendship has changed in the last couple of years. But at the same time, friendship is both timely and timeless. Like we we are created in the image of God, who is relational, and and, and my my hope is that that as a result of this kind of second book, that lonely people uh, make friends, 
and and people who feel overwhelmed and guilty because they haven't got enough time for their friends just just the helps along the journey of how to structure that and yeah i love i love the depth of friendship i love the companionship of friendship the intimacy of friendship the vulnerability of friendship mm. and so the book's touching on all those kind of aspects and and also the, the other aspect of it will be will be the intergenerational nature of it um my okay. role well, within that's the, interesting yeah, for the role within my Evangelical Alliance is, is helping the church engage with young adults. And I love that the fact that church is one of the few places where all generations rub shoulders together and have the opportunity to be friends. And so, yeah, looking at all those things. It's mm. great. Mm. No, that sounds really interesting. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy um, in 2023. That, that's really close, actually, <laughs> thinking about it. 2022, <laughs> it's, oh, it sounds so far away, but it soon creeps up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you've mentioned you sort of you, you work for the Evangelical Alliance and you sort of part of the leadership of, of a church um, and of course you're writing um, non-fiction Christian books so obviously faith plays a big part in your life um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about about your faith um, how did you come to meet Jesus uh, you know, what, what, what did that journey look like for you? Yeah, uh, so I became a Christian when I was six years old. So I grew up in an amazing Christian family, two wonderful parents uh, who just, you know, from that early age really showed me who Jesus was and what it was to, to live for him and be part of the church. And, and uh, you know, if you're a Christian parent listening to this, don't don't underestimate the impact of, 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 of you know, how the way your life can 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 help your kids get to know Jesus better, really. So that was a huge bit of part of my journey. Um, but obviously, kind of, you know, you, as a teenager, you, you you have to make that decision for yourself. And so, recognise several moments where I did that through my teenage years. But for me, uh, the rubber really hit the road when I was 21. I was at university studying law, and uh, the phone rings one day. I'm having lunch with my mum, who's come to see me, and uh, family friends is on the other end, and she says some words I'll never forget. She says, "Phil, I'm really sorry, but this morning your dad has died." And I was 21. These words ripped my world apart. You know, dad was an amazing friend, example. And, and, and also it was the first significant moment of suffering I'd experienced in my life. And so recognize that was a real junction moment for me. You know, did I say, God, stuff you for letting this happen. There's no way I'm going to follow you after this. Or God, we really need you right now. And in all the years I followed Jesus, I've never known God so close in those first few weeks after dad died. So that was a huge moment. I think another huge aspect of what faith brings to my life is meaning and purpose. I refuse to believe we're an accident. And, and so for me, kind of, I became a, having, having done three years of a law degree, the natural next progression was to become a youth evangelist. So, so <laughs> I joined Youth for Christ at, at 22 and did 13 years uh, working for Youth for Christ in a variety of different, different uh, roles, seeing young people come to faith. Thousands, I saw thousands of young people give their lives to Jesus, which was just uh, the most incredible privilege and, and, and honour and responsibility. Um, but the rubber, again, I guess in terms of my story of faith, the rubber's really hit the road for me again in the last few years where I've been diagnosed with the same heart condition that I alluded to earlier when we were talking about running, um, that, that the same heart condition that killed my dad. And so I'm in great hands. I, um, uh, I'm really well looked after by a great cardiology team. But there have been moments and still are moments where I think, am I going to die? I'm you know, in the middle of the night, your heart's pounding and you think, you know, am I going to die? And it makes all the difference in the world knowing that Knowing, knowing what will happen to me when I do die. Mm. Um, and again, mm. I've seen that really worked out. The final chapter, notable chapter in my story has been in the last two years where my mum sadly died of cancer in June 2020, just after the pandemic mm. started. 
and seeing in her the confidence and the hope that she knew where she was going has been a hu- has made a huge difference and so mm. all those aspects you know mm. in terms you know of mm. faith life in all its fullness meaning purpose hope all of those play you know really significant part in my in my journey oh thanks thanks for sharing that phil i really appreciate that um and is there something that the holy spirit is saying to you or has put on your heart kind of for now kind of for this kind of season um, that, that you're in or, or something that maybe you want to share with the listeners today. So what, what, what's, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you sort of right now? Yeah, great question. I, I, um, I, I don't know about you. I've had a few Bible passages that I've really just, I've clung on to really over the last couple of years as I've, as I've dealt with, dealt with the death of my, my mum and, and the pandemic and the discouragement and the disappointment. I, and one of those has been the, the passage in 2 Corinthians 4, which talks about the fact we're, we're, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And I think for me, you know, what's on my heart is really, I'm, I recognise every day of my own fragility and brokenness. You know, you know Paul, Paul, the super apostle Paul talks in that passage about being hard pressed and persecuted and, and struck down and, and, and compares us as Christians to jars of clay, easily broken, easily cracked, fragile. And I do, I do. The older I get, I realise not only because the body's breaking down, but yeah, but my own my own fragility as a person. But at the same time, the hope in our hearts makes all the difference. And I think, especially as Western Christians, we can put our hope and our trust in all kinds of places that aren't Jesus. And I think I'm continually reminded that the the, the hope in my heart is the most important thing about me. That that's my destiny. That's my forgiveness for the past, His presence in my present, and the hope for the future. Not you know. And, and hear me right on this. Our deepest hope is is not in a, in a vaccine or herd immunity or a new normal or the NHS or going back to normal. Our deepest hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And I think for me that, that holding that intention of my own brokenness and fragility alongside the hope that, that God gives us, that's, mm. yeah, that's, that's what's stirring in my heart at the moment. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hope is a really significant word for, for me and my church um, right. at the minute as well. So that, that, that rings true. Thank you. Um, yeah. Is there anywhere that people can find out more about you or connect with you or or get some resources that that sit alongside the Story Bearer book? Yeah, so when we launched the book, um there was a website that goes alongside it, storybearer.com. So if you go to storybearer.com, that's there's loads of stuff on there. There's my random musings on on all kinds of subjects in kind of a little there's a little bit of a blog on there around that and there's a few videos so one of the things that, that I'm, I, I love doing is kind of spoken word stuff and so there's a few of those kind of spoken word bits and the, the book is punctuated with a bit of poetry um, so a lot of those we've kind of made into short films and, and put those on the site um, so yeah that, that and that has space to kind of uh, connect with me um, otherwise you can follow um, my laments about Aston Villa um, <laughs> find, find, find out where I'm preaching at the weekends and um, and, and what, what's going on and fo- follow me at Phil Knox on Twitter or um, at Mr. Phil Knox on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah, if, if you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's brilliant, Phil. It's been great chatting, um, finding out a little bit more about um, your book, Story Bearer. And, you know, thank you for sharing your life and your, and your heart with us. It's been really fascinating. It's been a really great conversation. And thank you for listening to um, Christian Book Blurb. Thank you for joining us. Um, It's been a pleasure to be in your company um, today as well. So thank you for listening and do tune in again for another edition of Christian Book Blurb. 
Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.